Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles this morning and go with me to Mark chapter number 12, the book of Mark and chapter number 12, as we continue walking our way through the gospel of Mark. We come this morning to Mark chapter 12, verse number 41, all the way down to verse number 44, and we will finish out this chapter with the Lord's help today. Mark chapter number 12, verse 41 to verse 44. And if you found your place and if you're willing and able, stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, down to verse number 44. If you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you. Maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. We would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us. And in fact, if you don't have a Bible at all, that would be our gift to you. We want you to take that with you as you go from this place. We believe that there's nothing more important than having God's Word in our hands, in our hearts, and in our homes. And God, God's Word is the strength that we need. It provides us the information we need to know. It gives us the discernment and the wisdom that we lack. God's word keeps us from sin, the Bible says. So God's word is a wonderful gift, and we want, we want you to have one if you don't have one. So Mark chapter 12, look with me at verse number 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and he saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives and teach us, rather, what you would have for us to know. Instruct us in the way that you would have for us to walk and go. And use your word to show us this. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When it comes to how we handle our money, my mind returns to the moment when Gabriel and Ethan were probably six or seven, five or six years old. We wanted to teach them the value of hard work, saving their money in order to buy a, a big purchase. And so our lesson began by taking our kids to the store. We found the toy aisle. It said, which toy would you like? Immediately, Gabriel and Ethan, their eyes focused on this toy watch. It was of this character named Ben 10. How many of you know the character? The guy who had this magical watch and he could turn it to a particular alien and then he could slap the watch down and he becomes this magical, powerful alien and he can beat up the bad guys. And Gabriel says, ooh, I want that watch. We noted the price of the watch. I said, okay, this is how much money you have to earn. This is how much money you have to save. We went home, we started saving money, gave Gabriel jobs. He started earning little out and in jobs around the house, saving his money. Finally, he had saved up enough money to buy the watch. So we went back to the store, we went to the same toy aisle. He found the watch, he made the purchase. It was this great moment, he ripped open the package, he puts the watch on his wrist, he runs home, he's so happy. He begins playing for hours with the watch, having so much fun. And then right about dinner time, he made his way to the table. Amanda had prepared dinner for us. He sits down and I can see on his countenance something is not right. 
He's sad in some kind of a way. I said, Gabriel, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. I said, well, do, you, do you not like your watch? He says, no, I, I, I like the watch. It's fun. I said, well then, well, then what's wrong? He said, I just, I just really miss my money. <laughs> so it is. When it, when it comes to when it comes to money, there are two truths that are certain. First, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Second, most people don't like to hear what the Bible has to say about money. And yet we desperately need to hear it. And here's why. As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That the way in which you use your money, the way in which you pursue treasure, even the things that you choose to esteem as treasure, like the, the things you say, these are treasure to me. This is valuable to me. It reveals something about, about your heart. This is what's being pointed out to us in the story that we just read. That there is this, Bible says, poor widow woman who, who has come, verse 42, she's throwing two mites, a couple nickels, into the offering. And Jesus is saying there is something about her that he wants his disciples to note. He wants them to learn. That's why he says in verse 33, he calls his disciples to him and then he says to them about her. He watches this happen and he wants to point out to them something about the way in which she gave. Something about the way in which she treasured the most important things, the right things. Something about the way she valued the right things. And she appropriately saw the things of this earth in their proper place. So notice three things about this woman then. Notice first, she was in obscurity. Look at, look at verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And there were many that were rich that cast in much. And there came a certain poor, there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites which make a, a farthing. So this woman, the Bible says, is a poor widow. It teaches us a couple things about her then, does it not? You immediately know several things about this woman without even ever knowing her name. You know, first that she's a widow. So she is someone who has suffered loss. She is someone who has suffered a deep pain. She is someone who knows what it's like to go through a difficulty. She's someone who knows what it's like to receive a deficit. This is how we tend to act whenever we suffer loss. We, we tend to not be generous. We tend to be stingy. Whenever we go through difficulty, whenever we feel as if we have lost something, we, we never want to feel that loss again. We never want to feel the hurt of something being taken from us again. And so we build up all kinds of walls around us. We close our lives off to those who are in our lives. We, we pull back. We, we hem up. We build high. We box in our heart, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts. We tend to run from the people that we should run toward at times of loss. And here is this woman who has suffered a great loss. But we also know something else about this woman. Not only is she a widow who has suffered loss, the Bible also says that she is poor. He is notating it. He is pointing it out. So she is a woman who is in a very difficult situation, no doubt as a result of the fact that she has suffered loss. In fact, oftentimes the Bible talks about widows in this way. 
That, that during the first century, there was no government support. During the first century, it would be a very difficult and extremely hard environment for a widow, someone with no husband and someone with no children to care for her, in order to find her way in this world. And so the widow in the Bible is often dependent upon the generosity of others. She needs their support. She needs their involvement. She needs their strength. She needs their help. You'll find in the book of Acts a list of widows in this same kind of capacity so that the church is formulating a strategy for the way in which it cares for the widows among their congregation. Let me just pull the car over and park here for a second because this is the way in which First Baptist Church does this as well. We have followed a biblical model in this way and I am thankful for the way in which our deacons and our deacon wives care for the needy in this congregation they do an amazing spectacular job of caring for the widows here Amen. you can clap for them I'll be fine with that I'll wait they call they support they take them to the uh, doctor's appointments there's a particular deacon who serves on our on our deacon board right now him and his wife drive one of the widows of our congregation three times a week to the hospital visits this is the way in which they're serving. They're not doing this for a badge. They're not doing this for a pat on the back. Most of the congregation has no idea that they are doing this. And yet they do. They serve in this capacity for which we as a church, we as a congregation are blessed as a result of the way that these men and women serve us. It's not just acts that this is taking place. There's a story in the Old Testament about Two widows, Naomi and Ruth, who have fallen on hard times. Difficulty has come their way. They suffered loss. And as a result, they find themselves dependent on the generosity of a man by the name of Boaz. Do you remember that story? So that they're gleaning in the field. That's what the Bible says. Which, which means they're not actually working. It means what they're doing is they're going to the field after the workers have already gone through. And they're picking up what was dropped, what was left over. There was an Old Testament law that said if you own a piece of land, that you're not to, you're not to harvest all the way to the corners of your land. You're supposed to leave the corners unharvested so that way the poor and the needy could come into the land that you owned, that you planted, that you sowed, that you bought. And they could come in and they could glean from the corners. God is writing into his law. Take and make sure that you are seeing to it that you are not a stingy person, but that you are a generous person. And so this is what Ruth and Naomi are doing. They're going to the corners and Boaz sees Ruth there. He falls in love with Ruth. She's a beautiful woman. And so Boaz goes to his workers and he says, whatever corner Ruth is standing in, you make sure you drop a little extra grain wherever she is at. Kind of an idea. Some of you are looking to find a good woman. That's how you do it. Drop some extra grain wherever she is. No, that's probably not the advice there that you should take. You remember in the Bible, there's Elijah. He comes upon a woman who has just a, a small fraction of oil left. The Bible says that she's decided she's going to make bread with a small fraction of oil. She's going to feed her son. She's going to feed herself. And then she's simply going to wait to die. All of these are just examples. And we could keep going more. Of the difficult situations that the widows in the Bible found themselves in. And you'll remember, we saw this already, verse number 40. That there were people who pretended to be religious who actually were not religious at all. They simply pretended to be religious to take advantage of needy individuals. Look at verse 40. Which devour widows' houses and make a pretense of long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. So there were certain kinds of people who had come along the way who were praying on, who were taking advantage of the most vulnerable individuals. By the way, these kind of situations still exist today. 
The Department of California put out an issue during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that there was more elder abuse during that time than almost any other time for several decades back of individuals taking advantage of older, vulnerable individuals who had no one looking out for them. They're stealing their money, they're taking their jewelry, they're getting their personal possessions, they're intercepting cash or checks. They're, they're, they're fraudulently convincing elder people to turn over to them access to their money, to give them their personal belongings, to give them keys to their homes or to their cars. So let me just offer you some help here. Let me offer you some help here. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, first, Make sure you find someone that you can trust. Talk to your family. Talk to an advisor. Talk to a spiritual leader. If you're a member of our congregation here, talk to your deacons about individuals that you should be trusting. If someone's just coming along in your life and you aren't sure about them and they're presenting themselves to be something to you, make note that there are some individuals who go all through their life just making a pretense of being religious but are in fact not religious at all. It's happening in the Bible. It happens today. Let me give you a couple other helps here. Keep your personal documents secure and safe. Never share your social security number or your password with a stranger. Never give that out to someone over the phone. These are things that you must do in order to keep yourself safe and secure. You, you know this, you've lived long enough to understand this. Money can bring the ugly out in people. And that's what's happening in this text. That there are those who are making pretense. They're taking advantage of individuals who are vulnerable. They're taking advantage of individuals who have no one else helping them. And Jesus watches this widow come along the way. And he is pointing something out about her to his disciples. He is saying there is something beautiful about her. And there was something ugly about those who are taking advantage of individuals like her. That's what he is saying. Look at verse number 40. He says, and that many that were rich cast in much. So you remember, we already talked about this. You remember that they had created this religious system in which the rich could become richer and the poor remained poor. And they upcharged for lambs and they upcharged for things that they wanted to use for tabernacle sacrifice. And here were all these individuals making their way to God's house for the week of Passover. And there were, this, there were these religious individuals. They're making this pretense of religiosity. And instead of actually being true in their heart to God, they were in fact false in their heart to God. And they were taking advantage of those that were around them. And you'll remember Jesus' rebuke to them. Jesus says, you have made my father's house, which was a house of prayer. You have made it into a den of thieves. So the the rich, the Bible says in verse 41, were casting in much. But I want you to notice this. Look at verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people gave. It's interesting that he does not, he does not say that Jesus beheld how much the people gave. It says he beheld how they gave. So in, he's not interested in how much they are giving. He is pointing out how they are giving. And in seeing how people give, Jesus isn't studying their technique. Oh, did you see the way that she dropped that offering into the plate? Did you see the way that he gave that gift online? Did you see the way he texted that offering? No, he's talking about the technique. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about the motive. He's talking about the intent. He notices how they are giving. Remember what the Bible says? 
God loves a, what is it? A cheerful giver. Pastors and deacons love any kind of giver. I don't care if you give grumpy, just give. But that's not how God is. No, 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 God loves, the Bible says, a cheerful giver. So how we give what we give matters to the Lord. And here come the rich in verse 41, and they are giving in a particular way. They're, how they're giving is what Jesus is contrasting with how the widow is giving. There's an inclination the, to, to think of ourselves better than we ought to think when we have much. You, you remember what Paul says to Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Be certain that simply because you are rich, that you are not trusting in your riches. Why? Because Paul says to Timothy, those riches are uncertain. How many of you have learned that? Money comes, money goes. The economy rises, the economy falls. Inflation here, inflation there. Be certain that you are not trusting in your riches but that you are trusting in the living God, he says, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. It's easy to treat money like it is a protective wall, that it will give to us everything that we need, that it will provide for us everything we want. That it will get us out or in any particular situation that we find ourselves in. Money cannot shield us from everything. Money cannot give us everything. Make a note, money is a wonderful tool. But money is a terrible God. Money is a wonderful tool. But money is a terrible God. And if your trust is in your money, if your trust is in your riches, then you will be slave to it, the Bible says. And Jesus watches this. He watches how the people think that they are secure from everything because of the riches that they are enjoying. In fact, that's what's happening in chapter 1 of verse number 13. Chapter 1 of verse 13, he sits down, he sees individuals talking about the beauty of the stones of the temple. What a great building they have there, how magnificent, how strong, how big, how imposable that building is. And then Jesus responds to them and he says, no, 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 you, you think this building will keep you secure or safe? This building will fall. Not one stone of this temple will be left unturned. And 40 years, about after the time of which Jesus has said this, that in fact is what exactly what happened. Rome marched into Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. They thought they were rich. They thought they were strong. They thought they were secure. Not because they had trusted in the living God, but because they were trusting in their riches. They were trusting in their religiosity. They were trusting in themselves and not placing their trust in God. The Bible says, here comes this certain woman, verse 42, a certain, certain poor widow. She threw in two Two mites. It's wonderful, isn't it? When you think about what this widow is giving, she's giving two mites. And that is all that she has. You, you might think that she would be tempted to keep one for herself and no one would blame her if she did. But this is not what she does. She gives both. She gives 
two. The widow challenges the mindset which says, well, I'll give when I have more. The, the, the widow virtually has nothing, and yet she is the gold medal giver of the New Testament. She is the one that Jesus calls our attention to. She is the one that Jesus points out. Well, didn't, didn't people give more than she gave? Yes. Well, why don't we give more? Well, it isn't because we don't have enough opportunity to give. There's plenty of opportunity. It isn't because there aren't enough needs. There's plenty of needs. It's because giving isn't really about money. Not really. The truth is giving is a heart issue, not a money issue. She lived in obscurity and she gives this offering which no one notices except Jesus. That's the second point. She was observed. Look at verse 43. He calls his disciples and he says unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. So you need to understand something about the way in which they gave in the first century. When they gave their offerings, they had these large brass receptacles at the front of the temple. They went down into the shape of a funnel. They had several of them stationed across the front. And so whenever it was time to give your offering, you made your way all the way to the front of the, the temple, in front of the entire congregation, and you poured all of your coins into the brass receptacles so that it made as much noise as possible. So there were several individuals who would come in. They would offer their offering. You, you must remember that some of the individuals who are here for the week of Passover, they only come to Jerusalem one or two times a year. And so they're saving up their offering for an entire year and they're bringing all their coin with them when they come. And they're bringing this huge offering and they're taking it all and then they're pouring it out into the brass receptacles so that the offering that they're giving is making a real loud noise. Clink, 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 clink. And you have to imagine that in this congregation there must have been some real clinkers. You know what I mean? I mean, there must have been some people who made some real loud noises when they gave. And when they gave, people took note. Wow, did you hear the clinking of that guy's offering? Wow, he is rich. And people are saving their pennies up and they got a big jar. And they're coming in and they're pouring them all into the offering. And then they're proudly doing this. They're still clinking. You still hear it? It's still going. As it makes its way down the funnel. And here comes this little lady with two nickels. And if you're looking for somebody to make a clinking sound. It wouldn't be her. And so no one notices. Except Jesus. The disciples aren't elbowing each other. Did you hear how long that clinking lasted? Wow. The disciples are paying no attention to her at all, which is why Jesus must call them out or call her out to them. Notice he called to him his disciples. Hey, hey, I'm going to tell you something that's true. Verily, verily. Hey, I'm going to tell you something that's very true. She gave more than everybody here. She gave more than everybody here. That's what he says. The poor widow hath cast, and notice the phrase, hath cast in more than they all. The issue in this instance is not simply how versus how much. The, the issue in this instance is what she gave versus why they gave. The principle Jesus is showing us here is the right kind of giving, the kind of giving that God blesses, is a giving that is 
based on the value of what we are giving more than the amount to what we gave. The Bible doesn't, doesn't say that all the other folks were, were giving selfishly. We can, of course, imply that. The Bible doesn't say that all of the other folks were, were giving in some kind of an arrogant way. The Bible simply points out she is giving more than they all. Notice why. For they all, verse 44, did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want. She's giving more than they all. Why? Because the value of what she is giving is determined by what it cost her. And what is it costing her? How valuable are those two nickels to her? Well, they're very valuable to her because it's all she has. How valuable are those two nickels to anyone else? Like the big clinkers in the church at Jerusalem are not valuable at all because they have far more than that. You remember what David says? 2 Samuel chapter 24, David refused to give God that which cost me nothing. I am not going to offer God something that is not at least of value, of cost to me. You, you do understand this, right? God does not need our money. If, if God needs our money, then he is not God. He cannot be God. Because the, the understanding of God would mean he's all sufficient. Meaning he has no deficiency. He has no need. God does not need us to keep him in power. God does not need our money to keep the lights on in heaven. That is not the God that we serve. The Bible says that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills that the cattle graze on and he owns the grass that the cattle eat. It all belongs to our God. So she is not commended because of what. She is commended because of why she gave. She gave everything, the Bible says. Notice, for she, verse 44, of her want did cast in, look at this phrase, all that she had, even all her living. She cast in all that she had, even all her living. She had no savings. She had no investment. She had no 401k. Tomorrow, this widow woman would have to get up in the morning. She'd have to go and find some more money in order to buy some more food. She cast in all her living. So when Jesus sees her do that, Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, even though... Her gift was the smallest. Her sacrifice was the greatest. She gave more than everyone. Why? And I need you to look here. I need you to understand this. Why? Because it's not about the money. It's about her heart. Now, I understand that there's an immediate reluctance to a sermon like this. And perhaps you're new to church and you walked in today and you went, I knew it. That's the whole reason you, get, you tried to get me to come here. You just want my money. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I, I want to be very clear. God doesn't just want your money. It's far worse than that. God wants your whole life. He isn't just after your wallet. He's after your heart. And he's after your mind. And he's, he's not just after your job. He's after your soul. He's not just after your car. He's after your strength. He's after all of you. Your whole living. That's what he says about her. 
she gave of all her living. It's not just your money. It's your life that he wants. And you'll notice he's using this woman as the example. He is saying by way of what she gave... She's actually giving up her life. She is giving up her control. Think of it. She is giving up her control. She is saying, this is all I have. This is all that is in my pocket. This is all I have in my home. And tomorrow, I'm going to have to wake up and I'm going to have to trust God for the way in which I go. And so she is willing to take all she has, throw it into the brass receptacles of which nobody pays attention. Probably some even scoff. <laughs> That's all she gave? She's not a very loud clinker. She's not getting the clinking metal. Oh, I can't believe she would even come in here and give that. And Jesus elbows his disciples, ah, 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 the best giver in town right there. Why? Because she is giving herself. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Do not trust in uncertain riches. Money comes and goes. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It is of no real eternal value. But where you are putting your trust, now that, that is of eternal value. You think of it. Th think, of, think of what you have. That can be taken away that fast by the end of the day today. You can lose all your money by the end of the day today. You can lose your home. You can lose your job. You can lose relationship. It can all be gone. That You can lose your health. It can all be gone by the end of the day today. And we all think that it won't happen to us. We all think that, that, that that'll happen to somebody else, but it won't happen to me but inevitably it happens to us all. What do you really have that you cannot lose before the day is over? Your, your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is the only sure thing. Why? Because your relationship with God if it is according to the Bible, is not based on you. It's based on Christ. And if my faith is in Christ, no one, no thing, no circumstance, no economy, economy no health diagnosis, none of that can take away the relationship that I have with God through Christ. She is giving all she has. She is giving up control. And I'm, I'm wondering for you, how much control are you trying to hang on to? I wonder when you give, are you, are you thinking in those kind of terms? Here's my week, Lord. Here's my work, Lord. Here's my life, Lord. Here's my strength, Lord. I'm giving it. I'm giving it to you. Not because you're trying to buy God's favor. You cannot buy the favor of God. God is a just judge. He will not be bribed. He will not be bought. So some people, when they come to God, they think this. If I give this to God, well, then God will make sure my gas tank stays a little more full than normal. No. God is a just judge. No, but when you say, here's my weak Lord, here's my... Life, Lord, here's my strength, Lord, here's my dreams, here's my energy, Here, here's my life. This is me giving myself to you. What you're saying is you are revealing where your trust is. And you're saying, here, Lord, you, you be in control. 
of what I think, of what I feel, of the way in which I live. It is better for us to live our lives like that. In this world's economy, the world is constantly telling you and me, no, no, you should, you should be keeping all of this for yourself because you would, this is better for you. In God's economy, God is saying, no, 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 no. You should be giving. Giving is in fact better than receiving. Do you believe that? You see how upside down the world gets this? The world preaches the message, yeah, when it comes to your money, you better be stingy. This shows you the way in which we've made a God of this. Be stingy with your money. What does God say we should be with our money? We should be generous. If we have opportunity to do good, we should do good. We should not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. We should give to all men liberally, just the way in which God gives to us. We should give cheerfully. We should give happily. We should give, we should be laughing while we're giving. Ha 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 ha, dropping that in. God says, this is how you should interact with your money. And we go, no way. I should be hoarding and I should be keeping and I should be stingy and I should be protecting. And you see how the world turns all of God's system, turns it completely upside down. The way that we should be handling our money, we handle it the exact opposite. God says, be generous. We say, no, 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 be stingy. And then it comes to our sexuality and God says, hey, with your sexuality, be stingy. One man, one woman for one lifetime. That's it. Give yourself to no one. And the world comes along and says, no, 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 no. You should give yourself to everyone. Because how do you know? I mean, if you don't, you don't know who you are unless you try and experiment. So be generous. Be generous with all of your sexual expressions. You see? And God says, no, 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 no. Don't be generous. Be stingy. Give yourself to no one except the one that you have given yourself to in marriage. And the world comes along and the world turns God's plans completely upside down. And Christians, by the scores, fall for it. We buy into the lie that we should be stingy with our money and we should be generous with our sexuality. And God is saying to us in his word and God is saying to you this morning at 2022, at the beginning of this summer, no, 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 see it different. See it the way in which I see it, not the way the world sees it. Be generous because I am generous to you. Give away the treasures of this world because they mean nothing your children will simply fight over them when you are gone but keep to yourself the thing that really matters and the question is in front of you and the question is in front of me this morning whose system are you buying into God's or the world's You say, well, I, 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 want to, I want to learn to give like this widow gave. A couple things. First, make giving a priority. Make giving a priority. If you wait to give till you feel rich, then you'll never start. Pew Research put a, a poll out. They polled several thousand people. They said, what is rich? You know the most common answer? What is rich? Rich is double what any person had. Think about that. The most common answer to what is rich is double what any person had. So think of this. There is someone in this world who thinks that whatever amount of money you have, is rich. There's someone in this world who thinks of you as rich. And you know, just generally speaking, who we think of as rich? We think of someone who has double the amount that we have. You know what that teaches us about our idea of rich? It's very subjective. It's very subjective. Make giving a priority. Second, give by percentage. The Bible has a lot to say about 
That's where I recommend you start. It's called the tithe in the Bible. The word tithe literally means a tenth. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, well, Pastor, I'm giving, I'm giving about 5% of the tithe. So well, if you're giving 5%, it's not a tithe. It's not a tithe because tithe means tenth. You say, well, that feels really, really rigid. I know it feels rigid. I understand that argument. That's an argument given to you not by the Spirit of God, but by the Spirit of the world. Because the Bible says in places like 1 Corinthians 13, 3, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Job chapter 41, verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Acts chapter 20, Amos chapter 4, Colossians chapter 2, Deuteronomy chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 26, chapter 28, Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 25, Galatians 2, Galatians 3, Galatians 5, Genesis 14, Genesis 28, Haggai chapter 2, Romans 12, 13, and 14, Hebrews chapter 6, Psalms 24, Proverbs chapter 23, 28, 18, Numbers chapter 18, Numbers chapter 10, Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 29, Malachi 3, verse 8, and verse 10, Luke chapter 6, 18, 12, 11, and 13, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 32, verse 33, verse 34, John chapter 16, 1 Timothy chapter 6, James chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, that we should all be giving of a tithe. Those are just a few. You want me to repeat them? There's, what's the biblical basis for giving by percentage? I just read it to you. You should, you should give, should make giving a priority. You should make giving a percentage. Do I need to repeat? You got it, okay. I don't feel like you got it, but I think you're just telling me that. You should give progressively. You should give progressively. You should give more and more and more. It, it's possible to develop an immunity toward generosity. We want to keep a generous spirit. So you should give progressively. You should, your giving should be planned. We've said this over and over. You should give systematically, you should give weekly, you should give cheerfully. Your giving should be, should be planned. How are you going to give? What's the plan for which you're going to give? When are you going to give? Now Jesus points this widow woman out to his disciples and by way of pointing them out to, by, by way of pointing her out to them, to us, this is the way in which we ought to live. Let me give you this last one. This widow, as amazing of a woman as she is, as wonderful as she is, as brave as she is, you need to understand this woman is only figuratively giving her life away. Jesus, he literally gave his life away. She's an object lesson. That's what she is. So, Biblical giving, the act of giving yourself all that you are, all that you think, all that you have by way of cheerful, voluntary act, that flows out of a heart of thankfulness to God. It's motivated by a heart that understands what God has given to us. You say, Pastor, what has God given to us? And the simple answer to that is this. Everything. Everything we have is from God. The breath you breathe, the strength you enjoy, the time in which you live, the food in which you eat. God has given it all to us. Our God is not a taker. Our God is a giver. And he has given to us, James says, all good things. The things that we enjoy in this world are gifts to us from God. So there is no way in which you or I in our giving could ever outgive God because it's his to begin with. And he gave it to us to enjoy. 
that God is a giver and that he gives us all good things. God is a giver and that he gave us the greatest thing. His son, Jesus Christ on the cross. Why should I give? Because you are never more like God than when you are giving and then when you are forgiving. These are intrinsic to our relationship with God. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. We're separated from God in our sin. We're forgiven our sin. Why? Because we've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So this woman, although she is giving her life away figuratively. She's dropping in two nickels. She is becoming Poor in the mind of the world. She is in fact very rich because she is esteeming, she is valuing, she is trusting in the living God. And my question for you this morning is what are you trusting in? Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone? Because you can have all that this world promises you. You can have the fanciest car, the biggest house, the fattest wallet. You can have all of these things. But if you do not know Christ, then you are poor by eternity standards. And Christ, Paul says, was rich. Christ enjoyed eternity past with God. Christ enjoyed eternity future with God. Christ existed in heaven with God and he was rich in heaven. And the Bible says that he who was rich became poor for us. He took off the riches of heaven and he put on the poorness of this flesh. He was born in the manger. He was parented by Joseph and Mary and he lived a perfect sinless life. He accomplished the riches of righteousness in the sense that he was tempted in all places like we are, yet he was without sin and he laid his life down on the cross for us. He was rich in heaven, he was rich in righteousness and he gave up the ghost. No man took his life from him, but he freely surrendered his life of himself. Why? Because he loved Loves you and he saw you and I poor in our religiousness and poor in our relationship with God and he made it a way possible for us who were poor to become rich rich in righteousness rich in Christ rich in eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ he was rich he became poor so we who are poor might be made rich through his life death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ have you believed in Christ? He has given his all for you. Have you given your all to him? Do you see yourself as rich in Christ? Christ? 